Lord, thank you. As always, thank you. Thank you for another day of life. Thank you for the safety you gave us while we slept and didn't even realize anything was going on. Um, you have us here safe for anyone who is coming. We certainly pray they get here safe, and we thank you that, at least for our general area, things weren't uh, as bad as they could have been. Uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this church that you determined would be a location where your body could meet and could grow. Uh, thank you for the people that you bring here, uh, whether they be the ones who speak or the ones who listen, Lord, in the end we all have a purpose to serve that you have determined and I know that reading your word, studying your word, and spending time in prayer is really the only way to be where we need to be uh, when you want us to be there. So I pray your blessing on this time, again, for anyone else coming, Lord, please get them here safely, but you have us here, and I don't take that for granted, I thank you, and look forward to what you're going to show us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we are just going to look at the first five verses, so here we go. Pursue love, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, for one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, that might seem like a little bit of a strange place uh, to end it, because Paul continues this thought, but that's what we're going to focus on today. Uh, we're going to definitely, obviously, start with verse 1. And uh, verse 1 says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I know it says more, but I'm going to stop there for a second. None of that should surprise us. Pursue love should not surprise us. Uh, he just spent the entire chapter 13 talking about what love is and the importance of love and how everything is fruitless and pointless without love. He then says to desire the spiritual gifts, which again is very different than pursue. Let's please acknowledge that. If you are pursuing something, you are chasing after it, which most likely means you desire it. Agreed? If you don't desire it, you might be running away from it. If you desire it, you are running towards it, you are pursuing it. But pursuing something and desiring something, and I hope we all can agree, are two different things and need to be two different things. I already said back when Paul said uh, in chapter 12, verse 28, when he said, as my pages stick together, but you know, he says earnestly, he says earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I said, I just, I can't accept that that's Paul saying that we should want gifts that God didn't give us. That just makes no sense to us. It would fly in the face of God's sovereignty. It would fly in the face of his perfect plan for our lives for me to sit here and say, well, I know you gifted me for teaching, but man, I wish you gave me the gift of healing. It, it makes no sense. I felt like it made no sense in chapter 12, which is why I talked about that whole mega agape. I felt that at the end of chapter 12, he wasn't saying the greater gifts. He was saying the great gifts, the mega gifts, which any of our gift can and should be megas if it's rooted in love. Here it's a little bit different, because here he does specify, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. It definitely does make it sound like he is highlighting a specific gift. 
But it doesn't change the fact that I refuse to believe that Paul's saying, look, I know God gave you the gift of healing, but you really should be asking for the gift of prop. It makes no sense. It's like telling the foot, look, I know you serve a purpose, but like, could you at least try to see what's coming up like the eye does? It makes no sense. And yet Paul says it. Twice. So again, I have Megas Agape, that's what spoke to my heart about chapter 12. And in chapter 14, as I meditated on it, because I'm not going to argue with God. If I think something makes no sense, that's my problem, not God's. But I realized it doesn't say, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may have the gift of prophecy. It doesn't say that. It just says, especially that you may prophesy. So let me kind of switch the lens a little bit. I think this will make sense. If it doesn't, you can just smile and nod and act like it does. But if you don't have the gift of helps, that's one of the helps that's listed, you're never supposed to help. If you don't have the gift of teaching, which not everyone has the gift of teaching, you're never supposed to teach. Aren't we supposed to teach our children in the way they should go? Do you understand? Just because you don't have the gift for something doesn't mean you shouldn't desire. We said that word desire is where the word zealous comes from. You shouldn't be zealous that those things are still... They still exist in your life. There's, there's still fruit from them. All of them. As I go through them, just quickly. No, not the apostle one. We understand that. Prophets, we're talking about that now. Prophesying on a more general term. Teaching. Miracles. Do I think anyone has the gift of miracles? No. But is there anyone here saying, Lord, don't do a miracle through me? God wants to do a miracle through you. Amen. Why wouldn't you desire that he do that? So that's the first thing I have to say here. I'm not saying that everyone should desire the gift of prophecy. That would be a, whether you mean it or not, a rebellious fist in God's, I know you gave me this, but I want this. And sadly, people do that. Let's just be honest. There are people who pursue seminary because they just think they can explain things better than other people and they want to be in front and I want people listening to me, I don't want to listen to anybody else. No good. It's not about the gift of prophecy, but Paul does say that you prophesy. And prophecy doesn't mean you tell the future. It doesn't mean any of that. The, the, the future is done. We have all of that kind of prophecy that we need. Prophesy just means to reveal truth. Paul wants everyone to have a desire that they reveal truth. And he pivots that, or whatever positions that, against tongues. If you didn't know, chapter 14 is very much considered the tongues chapter. Not because Paul prioritizes tongues, but because it's really the only chapter that talks about tongues, as far as being devoted. And much of the chapter most certainly comes across, at least to those of us here, as a warning. Listen, if you're going to do it, but then a lifting up of it. I told Mike and Len that if I was doing chapter 14, I would have a very different Sunday school prepared. Because if I was going to take all, Italian, talking with my hands, so I hope you're watching, all of chapter 14, then yeah, it would be my job to make sure we know the warnings about tongues, the limitations, the fact that what people call tongues today isn't really what the Bible says it would be. All those things are going to be important. Thank you, Mike and Len, who are probably going to end up tackling those parts. But for some reason, God had me zoomed in on the first five verses. And I'm sorry, when I read those first five verses, yes... It does prioritize prophecy above tongues, but it most certainly does not bash tongues. Really, the heart that I tried to stay focused on was that verse 5, where Paul says, now I want you all to speak in tongues. Or I wish you all. I wish you could all do it. He later on says that he speaks in tongues more than anyone else. 
So again, I know some people think Paul's being sarcastic here. Man, all you guys think you can speak in tongues. Yeah, I wish you could. I'm sorry. If that's what Paul was doing in the bigger scope, then okay. But in this little scope, I really think Paul means it. I think Paul's saying, you know something? I wish you all could speak in tongues. But I wish even more that you all could prophesy. Sir? You, you don't think that he's speaking Not in these first five verses, I don't. Yes, thank you. We're going to get there. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. In fact, I might as well jump to it. That's the title of my notes. We like that little phrase, it's not about me. Mike has a shirt across the back. It's not about me, right? And you're right. It's not about you. You know, it's, it's about you serving others. I get it. But can I say sometimes it is about you? Maybe as I go through this, I think it needs to be about us. But, but before I get too out of order and all jumbled in my mind, my point is, I'm not going to position tongues against prophecy today. I'm sorry. If you showed up today because you wanted final proof about... No, no you're not getting that. Okay? What I'm going to do is I'm going to approach those first five verses the way they spoke to my heart. From a best case scenario. From a Paul saying, I wish you all could speak in tongues. And later in the chapter saying, I speak in tongues more than any of you. Paul saying, listen, I wish you could. Because if you could, here's what it would lead to. Oh, but I wish you could prophesy. You know why? Because here's what it could lead to. And the two things that it leads to don't, they're not exclusive to, well, if you're not speaking in tongues, then you can't do this. No. Tongues is one way to go down this road. Prophecy is one way to go down this road. And it's those destinations that I want to focus on today. I I don't think that makes sense. I knew my introduction was going to be confusing. My hope is that as I go through the notes, you either ask questions, which is on you, or you start to see where I'm going with this. But I could not in good... Again, I don't mean to be, I believe in God's sovereignty. Well, I do. I know that I would not be sharing what I'm sharing today if he didn't stop me at verse 5. But he stopped me at verse 5. Before Paul ever gets into the, and listen, because if you're doing tongues, it has to be this, because if it's not this, he starts shooting holes in their life. He knocks it down a few pegs, but the fact that it's under prophecy doesn't mean it's getting knocked down a few pegs. You understand? I believe there's benefit in both of them, not necessarily speaking in tongues and prophesying, but in what those things lead to. So let me just get to the, to the notes, because I really think they're going to help you understand the heart of what I'm trying to say. I only have two points. I know I let you all down. I know you need a third, but oh well. Number one, the first thing we need to ask ourselves in, in, re, in relation to these first five verses, if we're going to talk best case scenario of what we can of how we can grow spiritually, of how God can work in our life. Question number one is, well, who are you speaking to? Okay, Paul makes it very clear. Somebody speaking in tongues, um, just let me read it. Verse two, the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. Again, I've read multiple commentaries that took that sarcastically. Took it from the point of view of, well, I guess you're talking to God because nobody else understands you. Why? I mean, I'm sorry. I'll tell Paul I'm sorry one day if I'm misunderstanding what he's saying here. But what I'm getting from this is, listen, if you're talking in tongues, great. Hypothetically, ideally, great. That's awesome. Then you're speaking with God. That's wonderful. It's just no one else can really understand what you're saying because you're speaking in a tongue. Do I speak in a tongue? No, not once. I'm just being honest. Not once in my relationship with Christ as he had noises come out of my mouth that I did not understand and yet I knew they were giving him glory not once but can someone please read my mind here 
Is there ever a time that I have spoken with God that was no benefit to anyone but me? That's such an easy question, and you're either asleep or I'm not wording it well. Hey, Olivia. I know. Oh, my goodness. What is he doing to me? Have you ever prayed to God and it really didn't benefit anyone except for you? When? Such an easy question. I'll take anything and make it right. Okay, so she's thinking about a specific prayer for herself. I'm thinking it even bigger. Guess when I pray? Usually. Yeah, by myself. Do you understand? I'm not saying that I don't pray for other people and those prayers... But Sharon is not edified when I'm praying to God on my drive to school. How could she be? She's not there with me. Do you understand? There are times, I would say most times, where prayer is a very personal thing. It edifies yourself. It is for something between you and God. And what I believe Paul is saying here, God will have to show me otherwise, is he's saying, you know something, how awesome would that be? If you were just speaking in a language that only God could understand. That's what most people would say, right? Why do most people who believe in tongues believe in tongues? Oh, because you're on this high spiritual level. I don't mean it that way, but I don't mind hypothetically thinking about that. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if we were so locked into God that we're just saying things and, oh my goodness, I'm not even sure where this is coming from. That would be great, but not necessary, right? If you are speaking to God, I'm going to say for the most part, Again, it does not be one who speaks. How about I say, for one who prays, speaks not to men, but to God. Would you argue with that? I know we just had a prayer time together. I get it. But I wasn't praying to Darlene. I wasn't praying to Mike. You could say I was praying with them, but I was praying to God. Did they get edified by those prayers? I hope so. I know that I'm built up by theirs. But I sure hope they don't show up to prayer time to build me up. Did you see what I'm trying to say? It doesn't have to be in some weird gibberish before you can say, oh no, this is between me and God. No. We all need those times that are between us and God. So I'm not talking about speaking in a tongue as much as I'm talking about the path that really is exclusive to me and God. I hope we all realize the importance of that. That when Paul says, I want all of you to speak in tongues, it doesn't mean that I want you all to be gibberish. No. He's saying, I would love for all of you to be what you think you are. Because when they spoke in tongues, they thought they were so close to God. It's like, oh, I would love for all of you to feel that way. So if that doesn't make sense, I'll try to finish early. You can ask questions. But my point is, as we focus on prayer, not tongues, prayer, something that may indirectly benefit someone else as we pray for them, but not directly if you're not actually there praying with them. And I think most of us, our prayer time is a personal time. There were two times, I'm sure there's more, but two times that I wrote down for your personal prayer life that really is just between you and God. I wrote them in the order that I have them, which is going to sound backwards, but I think some of you will be able to relate. Uh, First, spontaneous prayer. Okay? You shouldn't have to flip your paper to know what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is. It's three simple verses, uh, words, pray without Ceasing, Mike, I'll shut up for a second so that you can tell everybody what pray without ceasing does mean and doesn't mean. It does not mean to be formal prayer set aside where you're constantly doing it, never ending with everything else accomplished. Amen. Constant communication, acknowledging, asking for strength. 
constantly that open line of communication. Not saying, well, I prayed this morning. Why should I pray now? I listed spontaneous first because I'm going to be honest. When I say that's the one I'm good at, all I mean is it's compared to the other one. I, I don't, I'm not saying I'm good. I know there are prayer warriors who spend hours in prayer. But I have no problem saying that I talk to God all day. I, I just do. <laughs> Usually telling him I'm sorry for something. <laughs> sorry I reacted this way. Sorry I had that thought. But very often also thanking him. I'll be honest, my family popped into my mind, Lord, thank you so much. As I know that this one's in school, and this one's over here. And the, like, I wasn't thinking about them, but then I was thinking about them, and I wanted to thank God for that. Are they edified by that? Not directly. That's between me and God. That's something that benefits... I don't want to get into benefits yet, but do you understand? I am speaking to God. That is for me, and that is spontaneous. I don't know how many of you can relate to that, because I know some people just grew up with... Well, no, you pray it before dinner. That's it. No, that's not it. You pray as the Spirit speaks to your heart, and the more the Spirit speaks to your heart, the more you should want to pray. Agreed? I found a really cool uh, quote from George Muller. It says, it is a con- and it, this refers to reading God's Word and praying. I'm focusing on praying because tongues would relate to praying, not to reading God's Word. Okay? It is a common temptation of Satan to make us give up the reading of the word and prayer when our enjoyment is gone. As if it were of no use to read the scriptures when we do not enjoy them. And as if it were no use to pray when we have no spirit of prayer. So this is almost shooting, this isn't shooting down spontaneous prayer, it's showing the the limitation to it. Spontaneous prayer, if that's the only prayer you have, is prayer that happens... When you want it to happen. When you feel like doing it. And so if you're having a bad day, maybe you don't feel like praying today. Well, look, if I don't feel like praying, then I'm sure God doesn't want to hear from me. Well, listen. um, The truth is that in order to enjoy the word, we ought to continue to read it. And the way to obtain a spirit of prayer is to continue praying. The less we read the word of God, the less we'll desire to read it. And the less we pray, the less we'll desire to pray. I don't know the last time you thought about that. I don't know the last time you, you thought, oh, I know I haven't prayed in a while, but not a big deal. Oof. Can we all relate to the fact that a day becomes a week, becomes a month real quick? Real quick. And usually we'd relate that to when's the last time you had your devotions. But when's the last time you prayed? I hope you're praying all the time. I hope you're praying without ceasing. But the problem with spontaneous prayer, or the limitation with spontaneous prayer, if it's only happening when we want it to happen, then it's only happening when we want it to happen. Which is why the second bullet that I admit I'm a little more... I could do better at, is scheduled prayer. Okay? Do I have scheduled prayer as I self-assess myself? I've got Sunday morning. Okay? I don't go to 8.30 prayer because I spontaneously feel like it. That is part of my schedule. I pray before my devotions, but my devotions happen at different times, so even that's not necessarily scheduled, but it's going to happen. And I pray before meals. That's not bad. None of those are spontaneous. I don't wake up and say, oh, do I feel like praying before my devotions? Oh, do I feel like going to... No. So I hope we all have scheduled times of prayer. But I hope we also understand that that's the heart that Paul has here. I wish that you have that close relationship with God. Uh, Lenny, on the back, if you could read Daniel 6.10. 
When Daniel knew that the doctrine had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks towards God as he had done previously. Now, usually when we read that verse, I'm hoping you're all familiar with it, we read the as he had done previously, right? He didn't just start doing it to show off. It was something that he had scheduled. But did it have to be morning, evening? And, no, I, I don't think so. That's what God laid on Daniel's heart. But it's just so clear that Daniel wasn't praying when he felt like he was praying. He wasn't praying when the threat of lions came. He wasn't praying. When, he was praying. It's what he was doing. And I really hope that this isn't throwing you guys off. Yeah, but what does that have to do with tongues? If Paul wished that everyone spoke in tongues, I think the only thing he means by that, if he's not being sarcastic, is I would love for you guys to have that constant, tight relationship, conversation with God that really doesn't benefit anyone but yourself. Doesn't involve anyone but yourself. That's wonderful. Whether it's a foreign language or what, we all should desire that communication with God. Dan, you'd agree with that, yes? I almost put you on the spot, but I'm not going to because I don't know if this is going to come across right. I'll tell you, when I was younger, I would have gladly said, and that's all that matters. I've shared this before. Like, literally, I'm not trying to... Literally, when I was younger, this is what mattered. If anything out here happened, then, then so be it. But as long as I was good with God, I was good. And wow, is that, I'm not going to say heretical, but oh my goodness, is that fly in the face of everything. The, I don't know why it took me so long to figure that out. Oh my goodness, God does not say, yeah, just worry about a relationship. No. Our relationship with him is what should envelop the people around us. Do you understand? So that second bullet, who are we speaking to? Well, if you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking to God. And even if we're not speaking in tongues, we call that prayer. But if you're prophesying, and again, we don't need to use that technical term, but if you're speaking to others, if you're talking to, that, that's the second bullet, you're speaking to men. You understand? Spiritually speaking, there are times we're talking to God, and there are times we're talking to men. And those two bullets could easily be unbelievers and believers. It's not. It's 100% not. But Kathy, you'd agree that there are times God gives us opportunity to talk to believe, uh, unbelievers, and there are times to believers, Yes? But to this context, wow, is Paul going out of his way to say that prophesy benefits who? Or involves who? It's not even close. And you better look before your answer because your gut instinct might be, well, of course, unbelievers. Uh-uh-uh. You look in verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And then verse 4, the one who prophesies builds up the church. So I'm not saying we don't prophesy, we don't share revealed truth with the unsaved world when God gives us the opportunity. But what Paul's referring to here is, again in my interpretation, yeah John it is kind of about you. You need to have that relationship with God. That's going to do what you need for it to do in you so that it can do it in those around you. So my two bullets are referring, you could refer them to unbelievers, but it's referring to how prophecy or talking among each other um, again, I don't want to say benefits that's my second point so just let me talk about what I feel it, first of all, spontaneous and scheduled could still go there do you agree? there are times where we're having potluck today what is my prayer for potluck? please don't say that Parlette's chicken's here what is my prayer for potluck? it should be all of our prayers 
that are, that are being, that are being blessed and neutrify our bodies and as, as well as our spirits and uh, that it be all uh, bless our, our minds, bodies, and, and souls. Okay, so it sounds like John's referring to the food. I don't blame you at all. We want the food to benefit us. But man, I'm hoping spontaneous conversations break out. Man, I hope we're not just having lunch. But it would have to be spontaneous for the most part. I, maybe you scheduled something. Oh, I'm going to see that person at potluck. I'm going to make sure I sit next to them. Amen, if God laid that on your heart. But as much as spontaneous is nice, doesn't a week become a month, become a year real quick? And next thing you know, I don't think I've seen that person. And then you do see them. What's it been, like four weeks? No, six months. And then you're like, you feel so bad. So spontaneous and scheduled fits here as well. But as far as how God spoke to my heart, if we want it to have the impact that it, God wants it to have when we're speaking to men, to other believers, A, it needs to be accurate. Agreed? So I, I wrote accurately. I have to say that because, hey John, would you agree there are people out there who believe they're prophesying and are ruining the church? 100%. You understand? The fact that you think you're revealing hidden truth, oh my goodness, is that a dark rabbit hole you can go down if what you're revealing is not accurate. That's why I wrote James 3.1. Most of us know James 3.1. Let not many of you become teachers, for you shall receive a stricter judgment. It almost seems to fly in the face of what Paul's saying. It almost seems like Paul's saying, you should desire that you can prophesy in the church. And, and James is saying, ho, ho, ho. Most of you better keep your mouth shut because if you're going to... No. No. James is referring more to that official title. That if God has called you to be a teacher, that God has gifted you as a teacher, great. If not, then don't act like he has. Don't walk around like you're some gifted teacher when in reality, God's given you some other gift. But isn't that also what Paul's saying? He's not saying desire the gift of prophecy. He's just saying desire that you prophesy. No one here gets to say, well, it's not my job to build up the church. I'm not on staff. What are you kidding me? We are all called to accurately prophesy God's word, which is why I'm glad you're all here. Because, yes, we're flawed human men, but we try our best to share God's word accurately to you in the hope slash expectation that you share it with Others, do you understand? That's what Paul tells Timothy. The things that I have shared to you, share to faithful men, that they may go share to other people, but it has to be accurate. I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but I'm just saying, before you get up on your you know, high horse of, and here's what I think, I don't have any verses to back it up, but, well, you know, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's just a general truth of Scripture. But isn't it so much nicer when you have those verses to back it up? Okay, so again, i got to keep moving because of time. But when you're talking to men, it benefits them if it's accurate. And then just going back to uh, chapter 13, it has to be lovingly. Agreed? This is me. Paul doesn't actually say these things here. But again, didn't we talk about that at the beginning of chapter 13? That you could speak with the tongues of men and angels. That you could speak with all wisdom. That you could do all these things. And if without love... It's nothing. It's useless. So if Paul's talking about it building up and edifying the church, yes, it has to be accurate, but it has to be rooted in love. So, Joseph, can you read for me 1 Thessalonians 5, 
20 and 21. Do not despise prophecies, which is really talking more about the people receiving it than the people saying it. Agreed? Um, But test everything. Hold fast. I just saw that those are out of order. That threw me a little bit, but that's okay. Hold fast what is good. So testing everything is making sure it's accurate. Yes? But not despising it. Let's be honest. When do people tend to despise prophecies? There's two reasons. Come on, I'll take anything. When it's not in their favor. Yeah, when it's not something that they want to hear. But when else? That, that's so the family feud, number one answer. But what's number two? When else will people pro- despise prophecies? When it's not what they want to hear and when it's not from the person they want to hear it from. Do you understand? When you feel like somebody's always bashing you or always coming across superior, they might be accurate. And you might say, I've said this in my life. I know what they're saying is true. I just wish they weren't the ones saying it. That's no good. That's not what's going to build up and edify the church the way Paul says prophesying. Okay, so if I can just take a half time here. This isn't so much tongues against prophecy. That's what the rest of chapter 14 is. But it's going to be the things where it's just you and God, which is about you. I believe very much it's about you. I do not pray primarily for all of your benefit. I'm sorry. I, I, pray for my, I, I pray for me, for me to have the relationship that I need. That, that's personal. But it's not all about me. Do you understand? I can't just be in my prayer closet praying all the time and never come out of the prayer closet. God wants me and really wants me, I don't want to say more. My relationship with him is of top importance. But there's a reason Jesus said the top commandment is love God and love your neighbor. That They're intertwined. And that's why I believe Paul prioritizes prophecy over tongues in the big picture. Because one, yeah, it benefits you. And it involves you. But the other one, it involves everyone. Sharon, am I making any sense at all? Yeah. Would you lie to me? No. All right, I hope not. Because number two is what I've kept avoiding. Once you've determined who you're talking to, then you can determine who you're building up. That's what Sean said. This must be sarcastic. Thank you so much for saying that, sir. Because Paul says, the one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, and that must be... Edifies himself? That must be... Yeah, negative, selfish, arrogant, proud. Does it have to be? Like... Just think about that for a second. Should we not prioritize things that edify, that build us up? Why would I think that all of you need to be built up, but I don't need to be built up? I I think of when when you're on the plane. Somebody read my mind here. The plane is crashing. What do you do first? You put the oxygen on you. Make sure you're good so that you can then go out and help everyone else. That's how I picture this. Look, I know that there can be problems in edifying yourself. I totally get it. But can I say there's also problems if you don't edify? If everything's about helping everyone else, I'm sorry. No. It's about you. It's about not you have just having a relationship with God, but a relationship that benefits you. That is, I call it being spiritually selfish. There is a good spiritual selfishness that wants you, me as the father of a family to be as close to God as I can, as in tune with Him as I can, receiving as many blessings from Him as I can, not because it ends there, not because I selfishly only care about myself, but because I know that puts me in a position to benefit my body, my church, my family, my, my work, everything. 
in so doing. So sorry, does that make a little more sense? It might not be what Paul was saying, but it's how it spoke to me. Because we stopped at verse 5, verse 5 is really what spoke to my heart. I want you all to speak in tongues. I want you all to be close to God in your communication with him. But then he does say, like, like Sean read, the one who speaks in the tongue, I'm sorry, verse 3, I'm sorry, where is it? Verse 4, the one who speaks in the tongue builds up himself. So what are two ways that we can positively be built up that, again, really only affects us? It overflows to other people, but directly it affects us. Uh, the first one I got from the men's group yesterday. Uh, the men's group is studying a book called Knowing God. Okay, And he said three things that knowing God will do. And granted, for those of you who are reading the book, he was referring more to knowing God through Scripture. But don't we always talk about how a relationship is two ways, right? Scripture is God speaking to us, and prayer is us speaking back. Agreed? So I think these things are just as true. The more you know God, I'll tell you all three. We're just writing down the first one. He said, the more you know God, the more you'll be humbled, the more you'll be expanded, and the more you'll be comforted. And all three of those have truths. But right here, I'm just going to focus on the humbled part. That the more you pray to God, the more you are in a relationship with Him. I don't care if you're on a deserted island and there's no one around to build a... That should humble you. The more you think about who God is, the more you think about who you are, the more you let the Spirit speak to you, there is benefit in that. I'm sorry, but if you only prophesied, there is a real risk that you never point the finger inward. If all you did was prophesy, then it's always what you need, what you need, what you need, what you need, what you need. And maybe you could then, oh, I could use that too. But when you're in prayer, when you're in times of meditation, times of letting the Spirit speak to your heart, it should humble you. And yes, I realize that I'm continuing my streak of humble, getting into my, I get it. That's what God's been doing. But it humbles you as a benefit. I wrote James 4, 8. That's not correct. I apologize. I even copied that because I was going to go in a different direction with this. I think it's 4.10, but it doesn't matter. The one that says, humble yourself before God and he will lift you up. Um, I kind of wish I changed my notes there. It says by being humbled by God. Really what I mean is by being humbled before God. Shannon, easy question, so please don't overthink it. Can God humble us, Shannon? Can God humble us? I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to. Can God humble us? 100%. But isn't it nice when he doesn't need to? Isn't it nice when we come before him humbled? Do, do you see the difference? If God has to humble you, then you're in Amos. You're in Haggai. You're, you're in all those Old Testament books where God's like, I tried my best to get your attention. You just won't look. So I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and hopefully you'll return to me. Don't make them do that. Humble yourself before God. And I really believe the more you pray and read scripture, I get it. But the more you pray, the more it's going to humble you to realize. I, I thought about how backwards it is. Um, for those of us who have ever been on a first date, oh my goodness, are you on your best behavior? Are you watching your tongue? You don't want to say anything wrong. And then even a few dates later, but definitely a few months later, you can pretty much say what you want. They understand. They're fine. Oh my goodness, when that happens in prayer. Oh my goodness, when we get so comfortable with God that, hey Lord, look, I could really use it. 
No, we shouldn't be getting more comfortable with God. The more we know him, I don't want to say the less comfortable, but the less we should take him for granted, the more we should realize the presence of who we're coming to. There's a benefit to that. That edifies me. That builds me up by humbling me. Not builds me up in pride, but builds me up in who God wants me to be. The more I realize who he is, the more I realize who I am on my own, but also the more I realize who I am in him. Again, it's the Spirit's job to help make sense of that. But if I'm going to take these first five verses from an ideal point of view, not discussing this tongues even exist. No. In a communication with God, I need spontaneous times and I need scheduled times. And those will humble me. That's one thing that I can build myself up in. And it'll also uh, make me relational or personal with God. Agreed? If all I do is read scripture. I can't even imagine that, but maybe that's just how I broke up, uh, uh, was brought up. If all I did was read scripture, and that's all it was, just took it in, took it in, took it in, and never felt the need to thank God for what I was reading, never felt the conviction to, just, just never, just, all right, I got it, I'm taking it all in, okay, now I can tell all you guys, no, how are you going to build a relationship with anyone if you don't have that communication? Matthew 6, 9, Jesus tells the disciples, pray like this. Two words. First two words of the Lord's Prayer. I know I caught you off guard. Um, our Father. He didn't have to say that. He could have said, our God. As I analyze myself, I'll be honest, my prayers start to tend to start with, dear Lord. And I don't apologize for that. He is my Lord. But when I think about it, I'm really thankful that Jesus didn't say, pray, dear God, dear omniscient one, dear, all those things would be true. He went out of his way to say, start your prayer with our Father. Get personal with God. See him as your father. See yourself as his child. Um, I'm, I'm going to get all confused now. But we, I was talking about it somewhere. Right, how, I guess this community group probably, you know, we, we don't feel worthy of it, right? Satan lies to you, that's what it was, right? Satan lies to you, he tells Pastor Sermon last week, he's, you, you're not a saint, you're not faithful, you're not in Christ. Well, the best way to fight that, yes, is to be in God's word, but also to be in prayer. To really feel the love of your Father on you, the care, the concern. So, that's two ways that I believe you can build yourself up correctly. That building yourself up does not have to be a negative thing. That it's actually an essential thing for you to be who you need to be for others. You need to be as spiritually healthy as you can. But then, of course, the second option, if you're prophesying, then you're building up others. Or each other, however you want to word it. Um, the first bullet, I, well, actually, if you look at verse 4, it says, uh, verse 5, The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Nope, that's not it. Sorry. Verse 3. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. I just took two of those. Um, encouragement and consolation are very much considered the same thing. They're actually the same Greek word is interchangeable. So the two things I put down, if we're going to build up each other, it's for edification. Okay. Um, Ephesians 4.29, I'll just read that. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. 
pastor just preached on this not that long ago, and I'll be honest, you guys have your own interpretation of the verse, but for me, I always kind of picture that as, so you know, enough with the sarcasm, enough with the cutting down, let's build one another up, let's have positive comments, that's all true. But I'm not sure I ever looked at it from the prophesying point of view, the teaching point of view. It's one thing to say, hey, great job, buddy, and it's another to, to know you know, by the time this conversation's over, we're closer to God than we were. You know, the sarcasm can sometimes make us further away. But to think of this from a benefit of prophesying, I, I don't want to keep using that word, just building one another up, do we desire to edify one another? That's not going to happen if you're just talking to God all the time. I'm sorry. I, I don't see how my daughter is edified directly because I'm always praying. If I'm not interacting with her as well and striving to build her up, then why would I expect the relationship to be there? And then I wrote consolation. Okay, but you can put encouragement there if you want. Can we all agree encouragement has more of a positive connotation? Consolation kind of implies something's wrong? Well, I like that. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I know you can encourage someone who's going through a trial. For me, I just like the word consoling someone who's going through a trial. I don't know. That just holds a little more to me. So I wrote 1 Thessalonians 5.11, which in the ESV says, therefore, encourage one another. But in other versions say, therefore, console one another and build one another up. And I purposely save this for last. Just as you are doing. I think we're doing it. Darlene's not here, so I can embarrass her. It's not embarrassing. But in prayer this morning, she stopped to thank God how much she really believes this church loves each other. Not, Lord, help us love each other better, which of course, I'm sure she would say that as well, but just how much it spoke to her heart that she really does believe that everyone here loves each other. And that's what Colossians says. Colossians says, you do love each other, so now just keep doing it more and more. And I believe that's what Paul's saying here. All right, so please make sure you keep coming. Because there is a lot to discuss, especially, you know, your friend believes in tongues, you don't. There's a lot of stuff that we need to get into, but I'm just being honest. Reading those first five verses over and over and over again, I saw them both in a positive light. I saw what, quote, speaking in tongues, meaning speaking directly to God. It is about you. That's about you. Prioritize that. Have time in prayer, spontaneous time, schedule time, time that humbles you, but time that also builds your relationship with him. Yes, Paul is saying, I wish you all did that. But then Paul's saying, but it's even better. Not that you prophesy instead of. No, we need those things. But those things need to lead to prophesying, to talking among each other, to being accurate in what you say, to being loving in what you say, to say it to encourage people and also say it to console them. Please. I think I, I, I can understand what you're saying, but one of the things that probably come with a preconceived notion of who he's speaking to, the church. So that's why, you know, utterly when you see that in person, I think it's a negative connotation. Right, and I don't blame you that it's the first thing you think of, but I would just argue, if I can put that word in quotes, that the more you study the passage, the more I really think that Paul is not being sarcastic there. If anything, he's being idealistic. He's not saying you're all going to be able to speak in tongues, but he's saying, listen, you guys think tongues is what draw you closer to God? Great, then I wish you could all do that. I wish you all could feel as close to God in your communication with him as possible, but it's not all about you. It's about you, but it's not all about you. 
And that is the problem that they were having. And that's why when he goes on, again, at no point does he say, don't speak in tongues. You've got to admit that. So if you're going to do it, make sure it's this and make sure it's this. And yet prophecies are already this and already this. So he definitely, he pokes holes in a lot of what people today who believe, you know, the, just that this kind of tongues should exist, should, shows how in tune with the spirit you are. We do need to be knowledgeable in what Paul says here so that we can defend inaccuracies. But please don't shoot down tongues so quickly that you don't stop and think about what the heart of it, again, it's listed as a gift, right? Paul says we don't all speak in tongues, but he says he does. So whether you speak in a foreign language, which you probably don't, or just you're talking to God, prioritize that. But then make sure that extends out to edifying the body. Otherwise, it's not serving the purpose it should. All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you. You know how I struggled with this. You know how I had the same thoughts Sean expressed, Lord. And um, I might not have most accurately explained what Paul was saying to the letter, Lord, but I believe the heart. Well, I know it is. Lord, I know the heart of what I said is true because I know that our communication with you is vital. It's, it's essential. Uh, we can't just... Go out and serve others, Lord. You have me thinking of Martha now. and just We have to be in relationship with you, but thank you so much that you don't make that exclusive. Lord, I thank you that my wife's relationship with you isn't just for her. I benefit from that. I, I thank you. And, and I pray that we all can say that, that we all can see both sides of the coin, the one that prioritizes our relationship with you, but then also prioritizes even more that that relationship be to the edification and consolation of those around us. Lord, I do pray for Mike and Len, and me, when it comes around to my turn again, but this isn't an easy chapter. I didn't really dive into the heart of what it has to say, but I do pray that we were encouraged, that we grew in our knowledge, and I'm sure your spirit spoke, and I just pray that we all listened. Thank you for what you've now laid on Mike's heart as he shares our communion sermon, and of course I pray for our potluck, uh, that it glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you all.